Alrighty, I am here with Jake Ignazuski. He is the team insider for the Massachusetts Pirates. He's also one of the co-hosts of the Locked On Red Sox podcast. He's a production assistant for the Woo Sox, he, and he's also the host of Iggy Sports Talk. So, Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it, Jason. And uh, th- this is honestly one of the first times somebody has gotten my last name right. You Usually people just go with the easy route, just going Jake Iggy, but you, you went all out for the Ignazuski there. Good job getting it correct. Thank you, man. So so we're just going to have a discussion about, you know, our beloved Red Sox and go mm-hmm. from there. So, um, so Sox coming off a series win versus the Pirates, I wish we swept them. But other than last night, we got the series win. Um, we're going to start in a very important nine-game stretch versus the Orioles, Blue Jays, and Rays. Um, kind of want your insight. Do you think this season's dependent on how they do in this coming week since the division play has been very weak these past, you know, this past season? I, I really think so. And, you know, really looking at the only series win that they had was just last week against the Yankees. I mean, you can't you can't really uh, say that the one game win against the Baltimore Orioles was a series win. But I, I think that these uh, next nine games is are so critical. And, you know, something that I've been really preaching on the Lockdown Red Sox podcast is that every single game matters and consistency matters now more than ever, not only in in pretty much every single aspect of the team's game. And, you know, we, we've really seen a lot of guys step up, uh, especially during what we saw, just an injury purge, it seemed like, all throughout July. Uh, and it's nice to see some of those guys being able to return being able to contribute, but uh, especially against a team like the Orioles, the Blue Jays, uh, and the Rays, you're, you're going to really have to make sure that uh, you're doing everything possible to not make those small little mistakes that will ultimately cost you the game. Yeah, I mean, that's consistency is what this team has been lacking. I mean, I'm going to put aside June because I think that was a huge outlier based on how they're playing right now. I know they're getting a little bit of momentum now after you know beating the struggling Yankees, but even them, they've been god awful i think they've lost Mm -hmm. 12 of their last 14 games something like that and they barely won against the Rays the other day um kind of my next question kind of focuses like the trade deadline um obviously we got fam who's been very good in that leadoff spot mcguire's also provide you some depth he's a great you know defensive catcher kind of playing in vasquez shoes but you know he's kind of hitting too um even hosmer has been really he's been better than cordero and dahlbeck certainly um I know we didn't really get any bullpen arms, but you know, I'm I I felt kind of satisfied at the deadline. Do you think that too? Or do you think Hein Bloom did his job at the deadline? So there was a lot of people that had a lot of mixed feelings about what Hein Bloom did, and you know, we we saw the reports, the confusion, not not only with fans, but you know, with some of the clubhouse as well. And uh, I loved the moves. Uh, you know, obviously it, it wasn't. Uh, it, it was tough to see a beloved Christian Vasquez being traded, especially with how he did get traded. You know, obviously we saw the video of him essentially finding out that he had to walk, you know, 90 feet over to the next, uh, over to the next dugout, uh, just right after BP. But uh, I, I think that they got some great prospects for specifically the Christian Vasquez trade. You know, I, as you mentioned, you know, I, I now work for the Woo Sox and I've gotten the opportunity to see uh, Emmanuel Va- Valdez really show what he has. And that kid can rake. Uh, and he can also play multiple positions, not great defensively, but a great offensive prospect who we can maybe see at the end of next season. Uh, he, he's been hitting very well so far in AAA. Uh, they also got, um, uh, 
Willie Abreu, who's down in Portland. But I, I think also you get Hosmer for a steal. I, I mean, you don't you don't pay the forty million dollars that is is owed to him. You also get two single A prospects who who knows how those guys are going to really turn out. But uh, you know, and then you find a way to get rid of Deekman because you know we've seen him not be reliable whatsoever throughout this season. And uh, you know he he was going to be on the books for next season. And you know it's really nice that they were able to flip him for Reese McGuire to ultimately be able to replace Christian Vasquez. As you mentioned, you know, didn't get any bullpen help. That was the only thing that I was critical about was this has been an area that has been an issue for this team throughout this season. And I'm just surprised that they didn't do anything because, you know, they sub- they subtracted an arm in Deekman. And I would have expected them to at least get something, especially because, uh, you know, in May, we heard Heim Bloom say that he wanted two right-handed relievers. And so in my mind, that got me really excited for what he was going to do during the deadline. But uh, luckily, some guys have been able to step up. We've seen Salomora and Ryan Brazier do a really good job over the last week or so having consistency. But we know that throughout the rest of throughout, uh, you know, earlier in the season, that really wasn't the case. So who knows how it's going to be for the rest of the season. Also, it's unfortunate that, you know, they, they didn't find a way to fill that closer position. Hopefully with the rekindled confidence that we've seen in Matt Barnes, he can be able to get back to that 2021 uh, first half sort of form that we saw him in, which helped him be an AL all-star back, back last season. Uh, but, also really looking at as well, uh, I'm surprised that they didn't trade J.D. Martinez and Nathan Navaldi. Now, I understand that, especially with the way that they were going, they, they were hoping uh, from the from hearing thoughts from Heim Bloom uh, afterwards that, you know, they could still get into this thing. And that, that's very well the case. And so I understand them keep, keeping Nathan Navaldi and J.D. Martinez to try their best to sneak right into the playoffs because they still are only four games away from wild card spot. But that was the only head scratcher was why not trade J.D. and Nathan Navaldi for some value that you could have gotten very similar to like a Christian Vasquez deal to get some younger players. in, And then also, like I mentioned, the whole bullpen aspect. But overall, I think that a lot of the moves have worked out very well. We've seen Tommy Pham come up so clutch uh, and, and really be able to embody uh, what it is to be a Boston Red Sox. You know, we, we heard him talk about the atmosphere. Uh, and also one thing that, you know, not a lot of people – realizes that he he has an option next year it's only six million dollars and so uh we could very well see tommy fam on the 2023 squad and especially with a lot of the depth chart in question for next season th- there's there's a lot of good things that came from uh that trade deadline to help red sox fans not be as stressed out on what the team's gonna look like next year yeah one of the things i mean the word i put it um i was satisfied i think we filled yeah. the biggest holes in first base even the corner outfield was an um i think an unsung problem yeah. um and then center you saw center field was a very big problem just want to put out this top 10 greatest threats of the world number 10 hirokazu saramora pitching on the road his splits are insane yeah. right now but um one of my best friend's dad always says you can never have too much pitching yeah. and come october that's very crucial mm-hmm. because you know we saw the socks you know this past october their pitching was mediocre but you wish you had another arm to get the job done you ha- you relied on a lot of starters to come in like Avaldi in the ninth inning in game four um he um basically broke it open for the astros or helped uh, that was martin perez but kind of moving on to this season back to the lineup one through four pretty solid even bogarts has been okay but 
JD Martinez, man, his struggles are continuing and he's not producing. Um, you got, um, what was I going to say? You have someone like Christian Arroyo who is in danger of losing his spot come a few weeks with Trevor Story coming back. Um, are we going to, do you think we're going to see Arroyo maybe slot in that DH spot and JD be on the bench? I, I think it's tough, especially with, uh, you know, the, the presence that JD does bring to that lineup. You know, I, I, I completely understand the struggles that you're referring to. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate that we haven't really seen the JD Martinez like we've seen in the past. Uh, hopefully he can rekindle that consistency. But, you know, that that's something that I've also preached with Christian Arroyo as well, you know. I'm curious to see how they really wean back story from that injury. Uh, I, I think that Christian Arroyo deserves way more playing time. Uh, he, he's shown that he deserves it. And that's something that as Red Sox fans, we've been waiting for is Christian Arroyo to have the opportunity to show what he's able to do on a consistent basis without either getting injured or getting COVID for the 8 billionth time. It seems like he's honestly gotten COVID like 5 million times. It's pretty crazy. And every single time he gets the opportunity to really show what he can do, it seems like he gets sidelined. And so it's been really cool to be able to see him make an impact in this Red Sox lineup, especially when they need it most. I, I mean, we saw it two days ago. He, he was he was the best guy in the lineup. And so uh, I I think uh, you could maybe see a platoon between him and Story to wean Story back uh, from his hand injury. Who knows? Because, uh, you know, the Red Sox might want to have that firepower in their lineup but at the same time. We know with Trevor Story, he wasn't super duper consistent when when he did get injured. So uh, I'm curious to see how Alex Cora really does play it. And, and it's unfortunate as well in the sense of, you know, Arroyo getting more playing time now that Kike Hernandez is back, who is able to really slot in a lot of the positions that he can as well. So uh, we can maybe see Kike, you know, block some of Christian Arroyo's playing time. But I, I could see Cora uh, really finding creative ways to be able to put both of those guys in great positions and, you know, as you mentioned, you can never have enough depth. And so it, it's nice to be able to talk about that the Red Sox have an abundance of uh, reliable and consistently good depth uh, right now. And it, all, all I'm hoping for is that these injuries coming back lead to wins. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, this offense has been struggling, to say the least. Fun fact, they have not won by more than five runs since June 15th. Can you believe that? <laughs> That, that's crazy that is insane i i i literally i i i like yelled when i saw that sound like are you <laughs> kidding me um but yeah it's gonna be very interesting you know jd martinez like i mentioned is he's not producing he's giving you walks but like mm -hmm. he and when my friend my friend's dad i'm gonna refer to him again he says we're seeing the downfall of jd martinez and he said that a few times in the past couple weeks and i just laughed my butt off but um, I kind of want to pivot to the starting rotation. Um, yeah. You got good arms like Crawford and Waka, who they've been pleasant surprises. On the other end, you got Avaldi, who I think should go back on the IL because he's something's up with him. Um, then you have roll the dicey pitchers like Pavetta, Rich Hill, and even Winkowski's been roll mm -hmm. the dice. You really never know what you're going to get out of them. Um, as you mentioned, this is the time where you got to get consistent. You got to, you know ride it out you got to see if you can you know make up a few games in the, these next coming weeks do you have i'm very concerned and do you have the same concerns i do 
you know, looking at the the box score from from last night, uh, it, it was tough for me to see Josh Winkowski allow six earned runs to the Pittsburgh Pirates. He, he's somebody who you know I didn't expect him to be up with the MLB team this long. Uh, I, I don't really think anybody did. And you know, as you mentioned, he's he'd been very inconsistent. You don't know what type of Josh Winkowski you're really going to get. You could even say the same thing about Nick Pavetta. And it's pretty crazy to say that because you know I, I've I've sort of compared him to a much better but also very similar in inconsistency as Eduardo Rodriguez. But the thing that the thing that Nick Pavetta does is that he'll go five starts where he only allows like two to three hits and has like eight strikeouts, and then he'll have another five game stretch where he allows six runs every single start. And so it's nice with his last start, we saw him only allow, I believe it was one hit, seven strikeouts. Uh, hopefully he can, th- this is uh, another consistent run uh, for Pavetta to really be able to show uh, some quality starts. But, you know, as you mentioned with Avaldi as well, it's been tough to see him struggle uh, really throughout this season. I-, I mean, there's only been maybe four to five games where Nathan Avaldi has looked like his ace self uh, back from 2021. It's pretty crazy that, you know, this is a guy that we're talking about was the starter in the wildcard game last year. And he just looks like a completely different pitcher, which is unfortunate because, you know, especially with obviously Chris Sale being out majority of this season and him really needing to be that number one starter. He just hasn't been it. Uh, But one guy who, and I've I've mentioned that I've been wrong about this take multiple times is that uh, I didn't think that Michael Waka was going to be anything close to what he is right now. And I've been very pleasantly surprised. And, you know, th- this is this is uh, a great signing from Bloom, only seven million dollars for a guy who has a sub 300 ERA. Uh, but, you know, you also mentioned a guy like Rich Hill as well. He's honestly, you know, you can get frustrated about, you know, him allowing three to four runs every single start. But that's honestly uh, a a very uh, similar type of line that you'll see from any number five starter, realistically. And a a guy that's 42, you got you got to be pleasantly surprised with sort of what he's doing. Obviously, not what you need in this current moment when you need consistency. Uh, And it's also unfortunate as well, even though, you know, this guy wouldn't be able to come back until late September. James Paxton uh, got taken out of his rehab start yesterday with a lat injury. He only would have been able to make four starts, but it, it, it would have been able to uh, give you that extra depth and that extra oomph at the end of September. And so, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Cutter Crawford has been very pleasantly surprising. And, you know, one thing that with this rotation, even though it's been a little bit inconsistent, one thing that you really got to give it applause to Heim Bloom for is building up that depth because especially with all the injuries that happened in July, uh, you can, you can talk all about how Heim should have, you know, prepared a little bit better for that, but you can't prepare for 15 injuries all at once. And if the Red Sox did not have, especially that pitching depth that they have at that current moment, <laughs> it, it would have been a lot more uglier than we saw. Oh yeah, definitely. I- Hit the nail on the head on that one. I could not agree more with you on that. Uh, I mean, this starting rotation has, other than June, really hasn't been healthy. Is that, yeah. to put it that way? No. Um, I kind of have one final question. It's kind of regarding the contract of Xander Bogarts. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he, everyone says he's coming up on a free agent year. Obviously, he has that opt-out. Um, this shortstop market is going to be arguably better than... not. I'll say it better than last year. Trey Turner. Um, that's one of the guys. Who else? I'm literally we could also on see, names. We could also see Carlos Correa too. Carlos Correa come come back in the market. Could Dansby be Swanson. 
Dansby. Yeah, Dansby. That was the guy I was um, thinking of. Um, With Bogart's production this season, he's seemingly lost a lot of his power. Not that home runs are, you know, end-all, be-all in a contract year. Mm -hmm. Um, But is there a chance that with Bogart's, like, low stretch right now, we could see, you know, him not opting out? I I think, I think... If if he had a different agent, that would be this that would be the story. But since he is Scott Boris, I think he's going to opt out. I I think you know uh, what we've seen with Scott Boris in his past history, he's going to try and get the maximum value that he can get from his players. Which, as an agent, that's just what you got to do. That's that's what you sign up for. That's the job. And so I completely understand it. But as a Red Sox fan, I don't like it uh, because you know he's going to try and really. Uh, Force the Red Sox to maybe overpay for a guy like Xander Bogarts, who is, you know, next year going into his 31 age uh, year. And uh, in, in my opinion, I think that uh, the four for 90 was a very low deal. It was, it was, you know, a lot of people were very upset about it. I think, you know, four for 120, four for 130 is is very, um, is very fair. And in my opinion, I I see. Um, it working out best if, if I were Heim Bloom, you know, pay Xander Bogarts for the first for the first two or three years, thirty million dollars. That he's like a top shortstop, and then when we start to see maybe a decline or him not performing as well when he gets to you know thirty four, thirty five, thirty six, you know, may, maybe start to uh, drop that to twenty five, twenty. But my thing is, uh, I would hate for a Xander Bogarts contract to really. Uh, tie the Red Sox up in being able to not use that money elsewhere. And that's the one thing is, uh, you know, when I've been talking to a lot of people about this stuff, um, when you have Story, when you have Devers, when you have Xander, and also you got to remember you still have the Chris Sale contract. If you're paying all four of those guys $30 million, who else are you going to pay to be able to field a competitive team? And that's just the reality of the situation. I, I'm like every other Red Sox fan. I want to see Xander Bogards and Rafael Devers on this team for the next five to six years. Everybody wants that. But, you know, at the end of the day, show me the money. That That's really all it comes down to. And that, that's the one thing that it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. And, you know, we've seen Xander talk about how he does want to stay here but he's felt a little bit disrespected by some of the contract negotiations that has been happening o- over the last year or so. And so um, I could definitely see him explore the market, uh, see what else is out there. But I, I don't think he's going to take a hometown discount like we saw him take in his last contract when he signed with the Red Sox. I believe it was uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was remember, that was Dave Dombrowski who did that. Yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't a spectacular player then. He was still a good shortstop. He was, I mean, number five hitter um, behind Mookie and JD. Good JD. Um, now we see them kind of flip-flop. Now mm-hmm. JD's in the five spot. But, yeah, that's all I had for you. Um, I'm interested to see what you had for me. So I had somebody uh, I had somebody ask me this question um, on, like last week, and it was uh, especially with everything that we've seen happen with Chris Sale over the last two years or so, uh, and with how big his contract is, do you see the Red Sox ownership um, talking to Heim Bloom and convincing him to explore trades for Chris Sale? And I thought that was a very interesting question. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, um, that's an actually interesting question because it's like, you know, Sale, you look at his past few years and what has he give, given you? 
2019, at August, September, and even a little bit of October, okay, he wasn't anything spectacular. He wasn't as good as years past. But mm. then you look at what's currently surrounding in the market. What value does he have? And to me, if I were the if I were opposing GMs, he has like zero value because he hasn't really produced. He hasn't even lived up to his contract. And if I'm a team who wants to really contend in October, I look at Chris Sale, or not even just October, just year round. I look at Chris Sale, who's you know fell off a bike and injured his wrist. I know that's unfortunate. Half of these yeah. injuries have been unfortunate for him. Um, you can argue that the lockout injured him, but needless to say, just unfortunate injuries happen to him a lot. And do I want a guy? for the next, you know, few years who is going to be very injury prone and a guy who's coming off Tommy John surgery, I'm very hesitant unless I can get a deal where, you know, the opposing team is paying the majority of the contract, like like the Jay Groom thing where, you know, San Diego's paying essentially all of it and you give up a guy who, you know, isn't, he was a, the scouts say he was, you know, a long reliever at best. And I look at the value of him and it's like, you're getting Hosmer for pretty good, but off topic. Um, so to answer your question, I look at all possible options. And if I can find a deal where, you know, High Bloom works his magic, I'll be satisfied. But it all depends on what we get back. And if we can get back better pitching, then I'm happy. But I don't know what his value is. And that's the big question mark. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Who knows what his value is and who knows how, like what team wants to take that contract. And, uh, you know, one team that came to mind was the Orioles. You know, they'll they'll probably take a little bit of that contract. They they want some consistency in that rotation. And, you know, if, if they feel like that they can rekindle um, sort of Chris Sale's magic, obviously you're not going to get White Sox Chris Sale, but if you can get sort of 2018 a little bit of it, um, maybe you can convince them to yeah. take that. And even uh, 2017. But- Exactly. But like I, 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 when he posed that question to me, I, I, I had to think a little bit because it stumped me a little bit because I, I hadn't, I hadn't put that into consideration, but I think it could be a very good possibility because, you know, one thing that uh, I, I think what we've seen the Braves do is exactly what Heim Bloom needs to do. Build up this core. You know, there's no core right now. You know, you can you can say that Xander Bogards and Rafael Devers are the cornerstones, but when they're potentially not here after 2024, both of them, what core do you have? And when you have barely anybody that is locked up for the future, uh, other than guys who are in AAA and Double A, and it, it it's just something where it's you really need to start building that next championship core. And the one thing that I go back to is. You know, my childhood with with Kevin Euclid, Jason Veritek, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, just those four band of guys being able to play consistently for five to six years. And I think that the Red Sox are lacking uh, that consistency right now because it seems like we have multiple different additions every single season, which is great if it turns into ball game or winning ball games. But at the same time, uh, you need to be able to get fans in the door. And one thing that somebody else mentioned to me uh, recently was, especially with the Nesson 360 that they're coming out with, you're going to have to pay guys. You're going to, you're going to have to intrigue fans and want to pay $30 million for that membership. And if you're expecting them to pay 30, did I say $30 million? Yeah. $30 a month for the Nesson 360. Uh, you're going to have to have guys like Xander Bogards and Rafael Devers, that, that star power to intrigue people to pay for that. 
Oh, oh no, absolutely. And I, I look at what you said about the Braves. They just locked up Michael Harris for arguably a steal, eight years, seventy-two million. Great. And I look at Ozzy Albies. Look at his contract, seven years, thirty-five million. That is just insane. You got their young core is locked up till the late twenty twenties, and you know what Heim Bloom needs to do. He needs to, you know. I, I think the biggest difference between, you know, your, the Ramirez, Veritek, uh, Euclid, that core, they liked playing with each other. And, you know, not, not saying Xander and Devers don't like playing with each other. I just don't see the same connection between them two as the whole group of guys in the 04 and 07 team, you know? Mm-hmm. But the biggest question mark is who's, if, if they're gone come 2024, who is going to step up? And Jake, I have no idea. Alex Verdugo? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, he's he's really the only guy that comes to mind. Uh, and, and he's coming up on a contract here in 2024, too. Remember, he, he, yeah. he his rookie season, or he debuted in 2018. So, Yeah, there's just so many question marks with this team right now. And, you know, one thing that, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, especially – uh, preparing for this offseason. This is the biggest offseason I-, I believe we've seen in the last 15 to 20 years for the Red Sox. Uh, just so many question marks on what the future holds for this team. And uh, I th- I think that um, really what happens this offseason will determine if Heim Bloom is, is here for the next few years or so. I, I think that that's really all that's going to determine. But I do like how they are resetting um, their payroll. And, and now I feel like that this offseason – is the first time where the guys that, you know, Dave Dombrowski brought on and, you know, everything that uh, he caused with uh, way over the luxury tax, you know, a depleted farm system. I I feel like that um, we're starting to wean off that and starting to finally get a little bit of a reset. And I think that's very needed for this team, for for their success in the future. No, yeah, absolutely. And I just look at what the Dodgers have done over these past few years. I know, who is it? Is it, what's his name? Andrew Friedman. Friedman, thank you. What Friedman's done, kind of like, you know, low spending, but they, they've had such a good farm system. At the same time, you're trading for big name players like, you know, Trey Turner and Mookie Betts, Max Scherzer. And it's like, for what? A penny. I mean, sure, you mm-hmm. lose Verdugo. Sure, they lose Kbert Ruiz. Sure, they lose some other top guys. But you, their farm system's still brilliant. And I think. That's what Heimblum's going to start to do when, you know, we get a few more, excuse me, good good prospects is kind of get the guys who you really don't envision being on the team in the future, shipping them off, making mm-hmm. some big splashes. I think Heimblum is looking at himself like, you know, the farm system is not ready to do that. Um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, I don't know what, going to happen this offseason this is going to tell like you said his like you know legacy in boston whether you know he's worthy to stay for the next few years and the biggest i was listening to one of the episodes i don't mean to gossip or anything you it was like um it was lauren it was a collaboration with the pirates mm-hmm. you, you know the episode i'm referring to yeah, yeah unfortunately i wasn't on there but yeah i know what you're talking about yeah um the biggest they were talking about how Heim bloom and the rays like oh they, they were you know, trash talking Heim Bloom because he really wasn't spending. The biggest difference of Heim Bloom here and the Rays, he has money 
And mm-hmm. when when you're a big name organization like the Red Sox, you're used to spending. I'd rather you spend smart than spend big money on someone who you're iffy yeah. about, you know? Yep. And I've always said it. Spending smart really makes for a good team. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look, the Rays really haven't been good, but they've also developed good talent too. Not I'm yeah. going to move on from spending. They've all, Wander Franco is a generational talent. Sure, he's hurt right now, but c- come 2024, I 20 even next season, I think I had him for the AL MVP this year if he was fully healthy, you know? But I, I agree with you. It's going to dictate um, – this offseason is going to dictate um, the legacy of Heim Bloom in Boston. And one thing that you got to remember with, with Andrew Friedman and Heim Bloom, they work together in Tampa. And that that's one thing that like I, I've been hoping for is that you know Heim <laughs> Bloom is the second coming of Andrew Friedman, and that's the one thing that he needs to he needs to get out of his comfort zone, and he needs to you know I agree with you with with uh, you know uh, spending smart, and we saw that with the Trevor Story signing you know, you know that was a very smart contract. We've we've even seen you know even before that Kike Hernandez was the biggest contract that he gave out two years fourteen million and. Uh, I I think that he just needs to uh, continue to wean out of that Tampa Bay Rays mindset and start to believe and understand how to be a Boston Red Sox general manager. Yeah, I mean, the thing, you can look at Trevor's story and be like, oh, he was a bust. But one of my friends, Braden, who I had on this podcast said, you know, a guy from Colorado is really, he's got to adjust his first year. He's probably not going to be good. You know, I think he's finding his groove in Boston. You saw kind of like with the Mariners series, he was unstoppable. And I think I think we're gonna see more of that next year. And you know, if he has to play up to, if he has to play shortstop next year for some, you know, reason, if Bogarts decides not to stay here, I think you know, I think he's willing to step. I think he he'll be comfortable in that spot. I know he played a bunch of second base, but I think he's 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 a good shortstop too, good defensively. I think you know, like I I was just saying, gotta get used to that Fenway Park, you know, wall, and especially in left field, you know, I think I think we're gonna see an improvement from Story next year. And I, I look at the trade deadline this year, and I, I say, and I'm looking, and I'm like, you know, this sets up this sets us up really good for 2023. Because sure, Hosmer, Hosmer, although he has an opt-out, there's no way in heck he's opting out. He's getting so much money, more money than, you know, any team would give him. You, you could get Vasquez back next year for probably cheaper. You can get a, a hometown dis, uh, uh, what do you call, yeah, a discount for um, being in Boston because you saw how connected he was to the players. Sure, you're unsure about Nathan Avaldi. I think we can get Kike Her- or Sorry, I'm jumping a lot, but I think we can get Kike Hernandez back for cheap because I think his value kind of went down when he was hurt. So yeah. I'm looking at those pieces, and like you said, Fam has six million. You know, he could exercise that. He only, he said he almost signed with Boston too. I think come next year we're gonna be in really good shape. I think we just gotta. You know, get a few pitching. Next season, I want pitching, too. Uh, I was satisfied with Waka. I want bullpen arms as well. I know Whitlock, he's a starter long-term, like Lou Merloni says. He's a starter long-term, but right now, he's best fit for the bullpen. You get a few more bullpen arms for next year, maybe a starter or two, you're in good hands. Can't forget about James Paxton. He's got a club Mm -hmm. option. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where they play Cutter Crawford, you know, Tanner Houck, you know. There, there's just a lot of 
uh, question marks, but it's also good question marks as well because they have a lot of good uh, long-term depth on this team, even though, you know, some of the depth chart, there are a lot of question marks. But I think, as you mentioned, you know, the trade deadline really helped set up the Red Sox uh, for this next season very well. Uh, and you could easily call up Tristan Cassis at the start of next season. He's looked very, very comfortable after coming back from his ankle injury. And it's nice because him and Eric Hosmer went to the same exact high school and when Cassis was a senior in high school, you know, Hosmer was one of his mentors. And so it's going to be the same thing next season if Hosmer stays and he's able to mentor Cassis. And it's easy to just slot Hosmer right into that DH spot. And then Cassis goes right to first base. Or vice versa. Have exactly. Cassis and DH. He's, he is he rakes, right? Yep. I mean, you, you yeah. Um, and then you also have Jeter Downs, but didn't he just get hurt? Did I see that? He Twitter? did just get hurt. Yep. Oof. He got hurt in uh I think that he needs another year in AAA. Batting 196 with 16 home runs. You know, the home runs are nice, but if you can't get on base in AAA, you need more time. Uh, he, he's shown really good speed. Uh, I believe he has like 15 steals or something like that as well. Very, very good player, but he just needs to get a lot more comfortable uh, with, with the AAA pitching to be able to have a correlate to the MLB pitching because we've just seen so many times uh, him not be able to get on base and strike out a lot. And we even saw that when he came up with the, with Boston. Yeah. I mean, you also have Fitzy too. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. know why he's not on the roster. He was, he was insane in spring training. Um, yeah. Who else? I'm trying to think, uh, I, Walter, he, he's a good pitcher. You can maybe try at the end of this year too. Um, yeah. but I think there are a few triple a pieces that, you know, if the Red Sox somehow, you know, we, we find ourselves eight games back, of the third wild card come three weeks from now. I think we're going to see some, you know, guys from Worcester coming up to, you know, yep. experiment. Cause that's what I, that's what happened in 2019. What, um, no, Dabrowski was gone by then, but what the Red Sox did, they, they just experimented. And I'm mm -hmm. all for that. If you're out of it, what do you have to lose? Experiment with these guys, experiment, experiment. And the, the answer is not putting someone like Michael Chavis in the outfield, like 2020, but experiment with, you know, um, Maybe maybe try Whitlock back in that starting rotation if you have to. Mm -hmm. Maybe put Hauk when he gets healthy. I know he has a serious back thing, but but yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of ways that you can look at it, and uh, you know it's it's good because the the AAA team does have that depth. There's a lot of promise down there. Um, I I think that the best bet for the team is you know especially if they get to September like you mentioned, and they're out of it. Just experiment. Just just see what you have for next season. That's that's really what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, Bloom's kind of preparing for next year, and I think we're in really good hands next year, you know? Um, sure, sure, um, you might lose Bogart, you might probably lose Evaldi, and J.D. Martinez you're probably going to lose. I'm, I'm, I'm going to play I'm gonna play dirty on J.D. Martinez. I don't know if you offer him a contract, but... <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I loved his, you know, tenure in Boston, but mm -hmm. I'd certainly miss him, but I, I would and wouldn't miss him, but... If that makes any sense, I know at all. what you're but, saying. Yeah, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty, you know, excited for. The, I wouldn't say excited. I'm pretty. I'm trying to think of the word for these next few weeks. I know it's going to determine. A, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna determine so much, man. Yeah, I agree. They, they, they just got to keep on being consistent, getting those wins. Um, and you know, I, I think that this is going to be a great test for this team. And you know, if if they. 
if if they don't make the playoffs, it's it's honestly not going to be um, a letdown because th- this season has just been so inconsistent. They they've um, overcome so much adversity, and at the same time, you know it's it's unfortunate that they're not able to get right back to where we saw them last season, two wins away from the World Series. But um, at the same time, uh, they, they they've they've worked with, with with what they've been dealt. Yeah, I mean. You, you, you look at these last few series, and they're against AL East teams. Like, we, we play a few in Toronto. We mm-hmm. play Tampa Bay, even Baltimore. We play a lot. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, I'm we're running out of your time, certainly. But, hey, Jake, that it, it, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. No problem, Jason. I really appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah. Definitely have you on in the future. So Perfect. Appreciate it, man. So, you can... Check out, I'll link uh, Jake's social medias in the description of this podcast and go check him out. Check out on the Lock, Locked On Socks podcast. And I, I believe you're starting Iggy Sports Talk again soon. Yep. Starting right back up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So appreciate it, man. Yeah. I'll see you, man.